0: Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. We read this in verse 1.
1: Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. And from what was our father's, he has acquired all this wealth. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban, and indeed it was not favorable toward him as it had been before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field to his flock, and he said to them, I see that your father's countenance, that it is not favorable toward me as before, but the God of my father has been with me, and you know that with all my might I've served your father. Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flock board speckled. And if he said thus, the streaks shall be your wages, then all the flocks board streaked. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And it happened... At the time when the flocks conceived, that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leapt upon the flocks were streaked, speckled, and grey spotted. And then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream, saying, "Jacob." And I said, "Here I am." And he said, "Lift up your eyes now and see; all the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled, and grey spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar, and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land, and return to the land of your family." Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there still any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not considered strangers by him? For he has sold us and completely consumed our money. For all these riches which God has taken from our father are really ours and our children's. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it. Then Jacob rose and set his sons and his wives on camels, and he carried away all his livestock, all of his possessions which he had gained, His acquired livestock, which he had gained in Padamaram, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan, modern Israel. Now, Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the household idols that were her father's. And Jacob stole away unknown to Laban the Syrian, and that he did not tell him that he intended to leave. So he fled with all that he had. He arose and crossed the river and headed toward the mountains of Gilead. Now, the rest of this chapter we'll see on Tuesday. Laban pursues him. God appears to Laban in a dream and he says, don't speak good or evil to my servant Jacob. Don't you touch him. Laban catches him on the top of the mountain, accuses him of stuff. Jacob calls him out for ripping him off. And they come to sort of a copacetic agreement. Laban says, you took our household idols. They look for the household idols. Rachel hid them. She said, the manner of women is upon me. And so she sat over the saddle, the item where the idols were. And they never found them. And... Jacob actually said, if you find the idols, you can take the life, whoever has them, not knowing that Rachel had taken them, but Laban did not find them, and Rachel did, in fact, have them. They made a covenant, they broke bread, they built a pillar, and they said, the Lord watches between you and me, I'll be on this side, you'll be on that side, if you do my kids wrong, I'm coming for you. You know, kind of stuff, but like, it's life, it's people, it's a human experience, and that's the way it went down. So Jacob is headed for a divine appointment with the Lord and then with his brother Esau. So first he has to deal with Laban. Then he has the Lord come. He wrestles with the Lord. And then he's got to face Esau, who was threatening his life 20 years prior. That's where we're at in the story. But this is leaving after 20 years, Padam Aram, and leaving with his wives, his children, and all these possessions that God blessed him with household servants, the company, the assets, and in this I was also later on in the chapter where when he actually is confronting Laban, he said God has seen my affliction in the labors of my hands. He says God knows what you did to me to his father-in-law, who again is his uncle. But the verse that really jumps out to me tonight is here in verse 12 where it says when he had this vision of the dream when the the flocks were reproducing of all types of manner that was representing God's blessing upon him, Jacob, who was the son of promise in the line, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. God said through the angel of the Lord, the angel of God, in a dream, I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. Now you might say, we could read something where it says, God says, I have seen, and that's pretty sufficient right there. I have seen. And, of course, God does see. We know he's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. There's nothing that happens that God doesn't see. But in the context, he says, I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. So we can say of this that God is saying, I have seen the injustices or the unfairness or the ill-treatment, the deception that your father-in-law, your boss, has done to you. The context tells us God came to him in a dream through an angel and said, on behalf of the Lord from the throne above, I have seen all the unfairness and the injustices that have happened to you with Laban, which basically is his whole life. Because when you think about Jacob, we think, man, the guy had four wives and all these kids, and it was just so much drama his entire life. But don't forget Rachel is who he loved. Rachel, he said, I'll work seven years, and it seemed like nothing to him because he was in love with Rachel. That was his plan. Life brought about these other circumstances where he was deceived and tricked by his father-in-law and defrauded by his father-in-law. And again, later on, the term used in the text is deceived, that God had seen that Laban had deceived Jacob. Now, of course, the irony of it is that Jacob himself deceived his father, Isaac, before he fled from the Promised Land to Padam Aram. And we never get away with anything. And as we sow, we reap. And, of course, there is an irony there because he deceived his father for the blessings. And then we see him being deceived by his father-in-law. And yet, just because he deceived his father... And he's reaping what he did by being deceived by his father-in-law. It doesn't get Laban off the hook because God knows and God redistributed the wealth of Laban to Jacob, who's under the promises, Laban is not. And that's an important distinction. So you have multiple elements working here. You have God teaching Jacob things through the injustices, Innocence reaping from his actions, And through his reaping, God teaching him things and refining him and molding him and shaping him, causing things to work together for good, if you will, in his life. But it doesn't excuse Laban. God still got, you know, Laban's not off the hook. It's sort of like in the Old Testament when Babylon sacks Jerusalem and takes the captives like Daniel and and those guys off to captivity. God raised up Babylon to chasten his people, Israel, according to his word. And Babylonians were ruthless, vicious people, what they did to Israel. And they taunted Israel, and they mocked Israel. But then God said, I've raised you up for this purpose to chasten my people, but know this, I'm going to deal with you for who you are and what you do. And when you consider these things, it just just shows us how much like God's ways are above our ways and his thoughts above our thoughts that we just ultimately in our own personal life when it comes to injustices things going wrong people speaking falsely of us countenance against us maybe believing lies against us or sowing lies against us in the end God sees and God knows you go to family court in Santa Ana there are two sides and it's usually very ugly and both sides are presenting a case And God sees and God knows. God sees what really happens and he knows what really happened. And God sees what's going to happen. God sees and God knows. Business deals where people have been defrauded, God sees and God knows. I learned this week of a woman, an elderly woman who was defrauded of a quarter million dollars by one of those scams where you've won something and you give us your account and you'll get it. And just being a little fuzzy, and she did it, and they got a quarter million dollars worth of her money, and she could not get it back. It's a true story. And you think, oh my goodness, what a who would do that? God sees and God knows. God sees, and God knows. When you're lied about at work, and you're wrongly blamed for something that happened, God sees and God knows. When you're persecuted for your faith, like many of my Russian friends that I spent time with, God sees, and God knows. God sees, and God knows. When there's an ugly divorce, and and different sides, and it gets very ugly, God sees, and God knows. Because that is the context. God sees, and God knows Good, bad, and ugly, and everything in between. But the context here is God sees the injustices. And if we're going to be honest, it's probably safe to say some of us have committed injustices against other people, either without our intent or intent. And we have had others commit injustices against us, either without our intent or with very malicious intent. And God knows the motive of our hearts, and God sees and God knows. And that's why I say the greatest equity of life is the ability to forgive other people. Because of all the things that you want to be on your last day, is you want to have malice toward none. But that you have forgiven everyone you possibly could think of to forgive, and that there's anyone that you need to ask forgiveness from, you yourself have asked forgiveness. And as much as it was up to you, you live peacefully with them because you've said you're sorry. Or in the case where you can make a wrong right, you do the best you can. God sees, God knows. And there's always more working than we think. And that's the first point here about God sees, God knows. Because as Jacob recognizes that the brothers who are his cousins are speaking evil of him, it's their jealousy for his blessing that God has upon him. It's their jealousy of his prosperity because of what God has on him. And God was blessing him when their father was ripping him off. And they, he loses. They are speaking evil of him. And what they're speaking evil about is the result of God working in his life, having his back, blessing him and taking care of him against the injustices of what their father was doing to him. So in the context here of the injustices happening against Jacob, God knows all the details of the conflict. He hears the chirping and the backbiting of the cousins, the brothers, speaking against Jacob. Like you might think like, well, man, I feel like they're talking about me or talking about my back or whatever. And it was unjust because the very thing that they're speaking against Jacob for is a false accusation. It is, in fact, accusing him for having the blessings that God has upon his life and protecting him from their father. And the disfavor he has on the look from his father-in-law. That's between Laban and the Lord. If God wants to redistribute wealth, you, you know, let him redistribute it. The earth is the Lord's and everything, there in it. A man can receive nothing. A woman can receive nothing unless it comes from above. And the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. And blessed be the name of the Lord. And what did Job say to his wife? Hey, we praise him when he blessed us. We need to praise him and bless him when we have adversity too. Should we not bless him in adversity? God sees and God knows. Now, again, the context is injustice. And whatever injustices you might face in life, you just need to remember from this story that God sees and God knows. He knows the conflict. He knows all the details. He knows the truth. And his silence doesn't mean he's favoring one side or another. It doesn't mean he's indifferent or not acting. There is always more at work What is he teaching Jacob from having deceived his father in these 20 years? What is he teaching Laban for always being in it for the money? Wasn't Laban always in it for the money? When Eliezer showed up to get a a bride for Isaac, the son of Abraham, Laban's like, oh my goodness, he saw the wealth that Eliezer showed up from the house of Abraham. He's like, hey, we've got room, come here. What did we see last chapter a couple weeks ago? I see that God has blessed you. You prosper, and I'm prospering because of you. You make more money for me. Don't go. That's all some people ever see, and you'll never change them. Some people, you can never change them. They're takers, and you hope someday they'll be broken before the Lord and they'll become givers, but some people were born takers. We all are, and some people just die takers, and you can't change them and stop them from being a taker. You need to keep it outside the camp and pray for them until your last breath. But God sees and God knows. Many of you have faced injustices. Some of you will face injustices. When I sat in the car in Russia for three hours and listened to the injustices against a good man that loves the Lord, who took over, became the pastor of a church when it was abandoned by the previous pastor. And I thought of all the good things this man had done for the Lord and what he'd given up in a strong position in, this, in the Russian government And the attacks that he shared with me that he had been through as a result of that. God sees. God knows. You might never see injustices made straight in your lifetime. Then again, you might. But we want to be part of the solution. And I believe we are. Injustices never end in the human experience until Christ reigns on the throne. We don't ever want to be the one perpetrating the evil eye, the false statements, the the disfavored look. We don't want to be those people. We want to let it go and be at peace with God and humanity. And where it's not good, we got to make those offerings to the Lord and know that God sees and God knows. The conflict, the details, the chime that cannot be unraveled, that is the human drama. It's like chimes. If you ever get a chime, you can't untangle. We had one. We all tried. We could never untangle it. I really wanted to as a, as a favorite chime from Cambria. We just, everyone, and once Jacob couldn't do it, I knew it couldn't be done. Because he's got a mind that works a certain way that he could if it could be done. And there's things in life that are like, it's like a chime you can't untangle. And you say, I, I'll never know till that side of eternity. God sees, God knows, and you give it to the Lord. Sees and knows. Don't ever think that he doesn't see and know what's going on. He does. But the second thing we see is he speaks too. Because God spoke to Jacob. You got to appreciate that. I mean, God spoke. And in the context of verse 3, he spoke without Jacob seeking him. Look what it says there in verse 3. Then the Lord said to Jacob. It doesn't say, Jacob cried to the Lord, "All oh, these injustices, how unfair these people are. I'm, I'm putting in the prayer request, which would have been perfectly fine and even quite wise and practical to do. He, he didn't draw near to the Lord. That we know of, we just know that all this is happening. He's just like, oh my goodness, like this is an overwhelming situation. And then the Lord speaks to Jacob. And this is not in a dream here with an angel. This is like, hey, skip the dream of the angel. I'm talking directly to you. I'm going to give you really simple instruction return to the land of your fathers. That's the promised land that God promised to descendants and to your family, extended family, Isaac. And I will be with you. It's one sentence. At this low point of injustice, what do I do? I feel trapped here. My father-in-law controls everything. He has greater strength than me. He can kill me. He can stop me. He could kill me, keep all my kids, my wives. All this stuff, he could do any number of things to me. Because later on in this chapter... Laban tracks him down. He goes, you know, it's in my hand to do you ill. I can do you ill. And it was. He's the bigger, stronger force. Whatever the entourage and assets of people and weapons and equity that Laban had, it was more than Jacob. Because he said, I could do you anything I want to right now. And you can't stop it. And Jacob didn't say, no, you can't. But God did say to Laban, hey, speak neither good nor evil. Don't touch this man don't touch this man. But Jacob could. so you just, But Laban could do that to Jacob. So you can imagine what Jacob's, like just the overwhelming how he feels. Like you think about family drama and all this has happening. Is like, what do I do? Like, oh my goodness. This is just completely overwhelming. And he's not like super strong in the Lord that we can see in the text. Like he strengthened himself in the Lord like David did when the Amalekites attacked and took everything he had. It doesn't say that. Just, he's like, oh, and the Lord speaks to him. That's grace. And that's a good reminder to all of us. It's not because we're really good people that God's going to solve our problems for us. It's because he's a great savior and a loving God that he sees our problems and he wants to use them for good in our lives. That's what we can see here. God speaks. Now, we are told in the New Testament, if we lack wisdom to draw near to the Lord and he'll draw near to us, we're actually promised in situations like this where we lack wisdom, like, oh, my goodness, what do we do? Do we let this go? Would we sue these people? I would never want to sue these people. This is, But they're taking everything. And you just don't know sometimes. Like you just, when there's injustice, sometimes we need to stand up and sometimes we need to walk away. And sometimes we're called to stand up and more often than not it's for someone else. Like we're the defender, we're the mediator, we're the, we're the watchman, we're the watchwoman, we're the one standing in the gap. You know, it takes a lot of courage to stand up to injustices. But the people that we most esteem in human history for standing up to injustices are people who stood up for injustices, not against themselves, but on behalf of others, the defenseless, which is exactly what the Bible tells us to do. So if you stand up for injustices against you because someone ripped you off and you want to go to court, well, that's your business. And if you win all that five, ten years later, that's your business. But if it's injustice against you, you can... Cry out to the Lord, give that to the Lord, and let him fight your battles. And as Pastor Chuck used to say at Calvary Costa Mesa, he's a much better fighter of your battles than you are. He has much more resources to replace what's been taken, to comfort what's been lost, and to deal with those who have perpetrated against you, which he wants to teach you to let go and commit to him. The injustices that we admire what people stick up for are people like Martin Luther King Jr. walking on Selma on behalf of civil rights that are justifiable civil rights. That's, those are, you know, that's where you might take a stand. Those people are rare. It's rare to find, you know, it's very human nature to fight for injustice against you. It's quite another to go deeper in the character and integrity of a woman of God or a man of God to be willing to stand up and and take hits when you're standing up for injustices against other people. Might be something, there might be things God has for you and I in 2020 to stand up for injustices and speak truth. We need to cry out to the Lord, and he will speak, and he will guide us, and he'll show us what to do. You might be in a certain situation within your family. You might be in a certain situation within your job. You might be in a certain situation within your ethnicity in the country you live in or just the country you live in, or the place God's put you in a bot, in the church, in a church, or anything in society, you just don't know if your entire life is moving towards something where you stand up for the rights of others against injustices as the Lord leads you and guides you. You might just be like Esther for such a time as this, and it surely was an injustice to execute and try to eradicate the Jewish people from the planet. And what did she say? If I live, I live. If I die, I die. But I'm standing up for my people. And I'm going to do the one thing I can do. Injustices are a very interesting thing. But it's good to know that God spoke in this injustice. And again, he knows and he saw it all. He saw everything Jacob kind of knew but didn't completely understand. God knew. God saw and then God spoke. God spoke. This is part of the topic tonight. Our lives might be just for the purpose of letting God speak to us, that we would speak up for others. Because his character has never changed. And the defense of the defenseless, whoever that might be, the, a voice for the innocent who cannot raise their voice, I just don't think you can ever go wrong when you're that mediator and you're that advocate for those things. I just don't think you can go wrong. Now, coming back to the fullest context and the truest context of this story, God spoke to Jacob what to do next. And he said, you need to go. God gave him clarity. And again, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and he will guide us, he will lead us. He promises in the New Testament to draw near to the Lord, and he'll draw near to us. He promises to guide and lead us in any situation. Let, let it go in the courts. Give it to the Lord. Let it go. Drop the suit. Let it go. Just resign the position. Let it go. Again, draw that distinction. Think about when it's against you versus others, and you might be the person called to defend them. That's a parenthetical thought. However it applies to your life, may God guide you. But coming back to the fullest context here, God spoke. God will speak to us. I've watched many people in this church in 15 years go through some terrible injustices at work, with family and extended families. And I've watched them give those things to the Lord in the court systems and other places.